Welcome to the Knock Knock Property Podcast, presented by local property experts Ben Dilling and me, Matt Dixon. Coming to you from Fox's Sales and Lettings, we'll be discussing all things property related, including some local guests from the local area. Anything else you want to add, Matt? Not really. Not really, just like and subscribe. Well, don't. I mean, we'll be doing it either way. We'll do it, yeah. But, you know, if they do like it, just tell your mates. Thanks yeah. for listening. Should we get on with it? Nah, got it. Okay, and welcome to episode four of the Knock Knock Property Podcast. And in this episode, we welcome Daryl Kwong from DWK Consultancy. Daryl works as a consultant for letting agents, landlords, and local authorities and offers extensive training in an industry which has over 700 pieces of legislation. So in this episode, we have a whistle-stop tour on some of the most important pieces of compliance, and Daryl also discusses some imminent changes that we expect to see in the lettings industry in the next couple of years. So if you're a landlord or a letting agent, then this episode is definitely for you. So please tune in. Like, follow and subscribe where you can and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello again everyone. Um, it is Tuesday the 21st of March. It is 8.50 and this is episode 4 of the Knock Knock Property Podcast. And today we welcome Daryl Kwong from DWK Consultancy. Thank you for coming on Daryl. Oh, well, great to be here, should I say. Thank you for coming. So you are the lettings guru. We call on you for um, certain compliance issues and and stuff like that to kind of help us with our lettings department. And we were really keen for you to come on. Mm. Talk us through what you do, your background, and yeah, what DWK is all about. Yeah, thank you. Um, Yeah, well, I'm I'm a born from poor bread lad. Uh, As I said, there's not many of us uh, left now. Um, I've worked in lettings, wow, I, I started in lettings in 1996, Right. so uh, not too far from here actually, just on the, the main Ashley Road in, in Parkstone, okay. uh, for a company which no longer exists, Go on. that's not me obviously, that's what yeah, yeah, was that your... <laughs> <laughs> they've, sold, they've sold on to Anglotown now, but yeah, it okay. was a company called WPJ Millers, uh, she, used to own, she used to own pretty much half of Parkstone, probably still does in terms of uh, the ownership, but yeah, I've worked in lettings 26 years, so... When I first started in lettings, there were hardly any letting agents. The lettings market was relatively small. Um, I always remember my first interview with the, the lady boss, and she always said to me, we are the poor relation to the estate agent. Right. That's what she used to say to me. As in the estate agent sales side? Absolutely. Yeah. You used yeah. to make all the money for most estate uh, agents. Most, well, all estate agents never had a letting side. So we were the only specialised letting agency in Parkstone at that stage. Right. I think there were nine letting agents in Ashy Road at that point. Um, but we were the only one that dealt with lettings. So I started off as a letting negotiator and, and trying to make it reasonably succinct. Um, I've worked, yeah, 26 years. So it's I've worked as a letting negotiator. Um, gone through all the stresses and strains of working in lettings and decided that compliance was for me, being a rather boring old guy. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where I am and I provide compliance. And so when did you st- when did you veer towards the compliance side? It was about then? 2010. And is uh, that when DWK started? It didn't. Uh, DWK right. started just before COVID, funnily enough. Okay. Uh, so probably not the best time to start. But I started compliance in 2010. Uh, I worked for, again, another local company called Training for Professionals, where I learnt my, um, learnt my what should I call it, the, the bread and butter of compliance. So just going back a little bit, uh, as you're probably both aware, the lettings market grew substantially in probably 2002, 2003. There was a massive boom in the buy-to-let market, mainly because of legislation changes to make lettings easier, make it much more... Um, available in terms of um, getting possession etc pre-2002 getting possession of a property from a landlord's perspective was a lot more complex uh, and therefore mortgage companies were less well were more reluctant to obviously lend money when they weren't sure if they were able to get their property back right so there was legislative changes in the late 90s early 2000s and it made lettings much more uh, beneficial or much more attractive to a landlord or an investor and that's where we went so if I just looked at localized uh, from a local perspective if you looked at Richmond Park 
um, is it Road? Richmond Park Road, yeah. yeah. Mm. If you know, obviously you know that more better than me, but yeah, yeah how many houses got knocked down into... My, do you know, it's funny, my dad, his mum and dad, he grew up on Richmond Park Road, wow. and, and one of those beautiful old traditional Out. houses, and you can see the yeah. era along that road, 2004, 5, 6. Yeah, massively. Yeah. So they're, how many are there? They're probably about 20, 12, two-bedroom flat developments down yeah. there. Um, so much the same as well, sort of built in the same sort of style. Absolutely, and, yeah. yeah I'm not sure a blueprint. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but that's where it went. So the, the lettings market grew substantially. Uh, and with that, the government brought in lots of legislation just to make sure that the health and safety compliance side of it was being kept in check. Mm. Um, so over the years, when I first started as a letting agent, um, I just found an interest in compliance, which I know sounds really boring to a lot of people, which I fully accept it is, <laughs> but so important. Mm. And obviously Fox has put a huge emphasis on that, and that's why you guys have been so successful in what you do. That's why, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's, a, great, it's a great part to be part of that, or a great thing to be part of your, your journey. So if there's any problems which sometimes you can't solve in terms of the on a sort of day-to-day -day basis, then the lettings team here at Fox has given me a ring yeah. and asked for my expert opinion. That's right. And that's what I'm here to do. But using a letting agent is really important in, in that sense because lots of landlords, if I'm being brutally honest, don't really understand the law. Mm. And there's so much of it that you need to understand as a landlord, over 700 bits of legislation, it's um it's it's vitally important and most landlords don't really understand that when it does go substantially wrong mm. it can be very very costly and very very stressful yeah i mean we can we can relay a few horror stories of landlords that have perhaps tried to go in alone and then we have to then come in and pick up the pieces things so in terms of well you said over 700 pieces of legislation yeah. that's a lot more than i had written down on my bit of paper here so in terms of so let's say you were a landlord looking to let a property or multiple properties let's say you've you've got you've got more than one i mean it's interesting you said that it's important that you use uh, an estate agent or a lettings agent to do that because of all these legislation changes and there's also a lot of changes that are perhaps yet to happen um, with things like changes to EPC ratings, which have already changed once and looking to change again, um, the way some of the notices are issued, like Section 21. So where, what, what do you see some of the biggest challenges going forward with the industry um, in terms of some of those legislation changes? Oh, there's, 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 as, you, as you rightly pointed out, there, there are huge challenges. I mean, the EPC legislation um, is only proposals at the moment. So most of the listeners will probably know uh, at the moment, you can't let out a property if it's uh, unless it's E or above. Yeah, there are certain exemptions to that. So, for example, if it was a listed building and it was rated F, for example, uh, and you couldn't do the work because it was restricted under the listed status, uh, then you could claim an exemption. So, where would you go to get that claim to the, the council? There's a, a website that you go onto. So. Um, the issue that you've always got in lettings, and I'll be completely brutally honest about this, is yeah. that the enforcement side of it is very sporadic. So if I just took Bournemouth and Paul, or as in, as I know now, BCP uh, Council, who I know relatively well, hopefully there's not too many of their employees listening to this, um, <laughs> their sort of enforcement side of it is very patchy. Okay. Um, they so what, enforcing the legislation <coughs> such yeah, as... Yeah, absolutely. Because they don't have the manpower and because of the costs that's involved with enforcing legislation against landlords, they're less likely to do it uh, or they're, 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 they're more inclined to give a warning or a number of warnings before they enforce. Right. Whereas some other councils are very much proactive in doing that. So a lot of the London councils will just enforce by default. Mm. If you don't have what does an enforcement look like? Well, in most cases, it will be a complaint from the tenant. Yeah. The tenants will complain about a particular situation. The councils will go there, and then they will look at the whole spectrum of things that a landlord should be doing. EICRs, electrical insulation condition reports, gas safety records. Uh, as you rightly said, EPCs is the, is the property uh, at least a, a minimum E. And then they will look at the health and safety within a property itself. You know, is there any issues with damp and mould? Uh, is there fire safety issues? Are they uh, absolutely complied with? And obviously, Grenfell is a yeah, trigger of that. So as you've probably seen in terms of the, the block management side, yeah. uh, Grenfell has been a huge uh, uh, you know, alert and alarm, a wake-up call to the whole residential industry in terms of fire safety, which hasn't been taken that seriously until Grenfell happened. I always remember Grenfell as a... I actually was doing a training course in London that, that night, 
and I drove along the Westway about, mm. I was coming home about 10 o'clock at night, and I got home back in Bournemouth uh, a couple of hours later, and I, and I was just, I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but I switched on the TV and I just saw there was an article that come up saying there's a, a flat, uh, a block of flats on fire in, in London, and then the next day you saw the absolute carnage that that caused, and that was the busiest day on the helpline for the company I worked for then. Uh, we had over 300 calls really? from landlords and agents going, what's our fire mm. safety obligations? And we're seeing it massively. I mean, so it was a few years ago now that that happened, yeah. but it still feels within the industry right now that it's still being trying to be tackled correctly by the government, you know, with the ESW1 yeah. forms. And now that's the Building Control Act that's sort of taking over. But the problem we've got at the moment from the sales perspective, actually, is that it, it's changing, but there's no real sort of guidance. And there are some solicitors not actually wanting to act on sales. It, on blocks of flats that are over five stories or 11 metres high or whatever <coughs> the act is saying. Yeah. Um, of course, in Bournemouth, and pool along the west cliff and the east cliff is the majority of the blocks that we're dealing with sure. that some solicitors are like no we, we want to wait for this to settle down before we act on it but um i mean the fire regulations and everything like that it's obviously a good thing if if it's been neglected because over the years and you do look at some of these blocks as well and you think there are some dramatic changes that need to happen but, yeah so uh, i totally agree i mean um yeah there are so many things that you need to take into account and i do a number of courses on fire safety i'm, I'm no expert by the way but mm. I, I look at it from a common sense perspective and i would always say to people even they even as those that are listening don't let their properties out look at your own home yeah and go around it and say what are the things that i need to look at when i'm dealing with uh, reducing the risk to my family and for me it's I know it sounds maybe a little bit OTT, but you no, know, I think the, the fire safety people always say that you should turn off all electrical appliances at night. Mm. Um, you should close your doors, all your internal doors. Um, there was a house fire in Nottingham, which I always quote on my courses, where uh, it was over Christmas, the Christmas lights set up at light, and the only person to survive was the grandmother in the downstairs bedroom because she had closed her bedroom wow. door bedroom door gives you around another 30 to 40 minutes in terms of time in terms of the I assume the spread of the the smoke etc and also to get out and she was the only one so her you know her her son and his wife and her her two grandchildren both perished in that fire so yeah yeah really important um, so from a landlord's perspective then you have to adopt that same approach as if it's your own home absolutely in terms of absolutely yeah so um there are lots of bits of legislation that we so i mentioned the 700 bits of legislation and matt mentioned earlier before we started in earnest that he says oh Darryl, i always remember that bit of legislation about rabbits and chickens yes and so you didn't divulge tell no, me more no, no, about there, this there's, then. There's, there's, so obviously there's a, a drive towards government of allowing pets so at the moment uh, at, there is no reason why a landlord can't refuse a pet um, there are certain exemptions so for example a service animal someone that's you know, someone that has physical disabilities and in some senses even mental well-being so mm. you could have a pet if the doctor said that helps your mental well-being and that would be something which you would have to allow as a landlord under the Equalities Act 2010, which is, one again, another piece of legislation that we have to take into account when we're dealing with lettings. Um, but there's an old piece of legislation which I always use on courses, which gives a little bit of insight into what we do as letting agents and landlords. It's, it's called the Allotment Act 1950. And it Allotment actually, Act. Yeah, it, it talks about land. So when we talk about land, when you're renting out a property, you're renting out the land it's standing on. Mm. So when we talk about land, people go, oh, I don't rent out land. You absolutely do. That's what the law is. When you create a tenancy agreement, you're, tr you're transferring land from your name as the landlord to the tenant yeah. for a period of time. But the Allotment Act 1950 refers to land and says that if you occupy land, which a tenant does, you have the right as the tenant to have a chicken or a rabbit anywhere on that land. Now, specifically the, a chicken or a rabbit. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why, if for those that are old enough to remember, the Allotment Act came out in 1950, and the 1950 Act was obviously to deal with rationing and all those things after World War Two. Yeah. Uh, but that piece of legislation is still 100% valid today in 2023. <laughs> so we have lots of bits of legislation that was intended for another industry or profession, if that's the right way of saying it. But because of the way it's written by Parliament, it has an impact on what we do as letting agents and landlords 
And that's the complexity of what we do. And that's what most landlords don't really understand is that they think, ah, th I've heard of this or I understand this, but actually there are lots of other things that they need to understand. And as I always say, when you go to court, the judge won't, the judge will expect you to understand this yeah. because you are, as a landlord, you are a professional, you are earning money from your trade. So therefore you can't just say, well, I'm a, I'm an amateur because you are earning money. You're earning money no different to anyone else. So as a landlord, you are obligated to understand all the laws and you are, and you have no real leeway. A judge may take a little bit of a slightly more sympathetic view, a leaning Sli view slightly, but from my own experiences, they don't tend to. Generally, they expect you to- 100%, yeah. Once you step over that line of now earning money from something- Correct. You are, you are legally renting out a property via a tenancy agreement. You are bound by all the laws which uh, covers lettings, including my my allotment at 1950, yeah. uh, which doesn't really apply in the sense that it wasn't written for lettings, because I don't think there were many lettings back in 1950, but because of the way it is written. It applies. 100%. Mm. And um, so we had, I had one client who phoned us and he, he did laugh because he's been on all my courses. He said, Daryl, the first tenant I've got has now used the allotment at 1950. <laughs> they refused the cat, right. which they're entitled to do as the landlord. And she just wrote a nice email and said, I've got a rabbit. And she just put a few emojis on the bottom of her email because she knew. And my client knew as well. And he just phoned me up and said, Daryl, that's the first tenant that's used it. There you go. That was that three or four years ago. Um, and that was that's the invent of the internet, yeah. obviously. I would always say the internet's not always right. Yeah, because you can go down, for want of a better phrase, a rabbit hole, can't you? <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs> and you can. I mean, you can, you know, Google yeah. can give you answers that It's interpretation, always... absolutely. It's the interpretation. You you read what you want to read. Correct. That's the right way of saying it. So, yeah, she, she had done that to him, and he laughed. And I said, yeah, that's the way we are going. So that's the allotment at 1950. We have a really old piece of legislation, because uh, lots of our laws that cover lettings are quite old. Um, so the oldest that I'm aware of is the Distress of Rents Act 1737. What? That still applies today? It still applies today. Distress of, of Rents, Rents Act, Act 1737. I think it's section subsection 8. That shows me how bad I am. But it's actually written, obviously, in really old language. Yeah. For those that... <laughs> I assume no one's been alive that long. No. But... Um, Dead about dad, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of lettings, it is actually a positive piece of legislation for landlords, which is unusual. But Especially it, as it's that old. Correct. <laughs> but it talks about if a tenant gives you notice to leave, which does happen quite often. So a tenant said to you, look, Matt, I want to leave this. I want to leave one the high street in a month's time. And then Matt goes off and finds a new tenant because that's Matt's job is to go and find the new tenants and show them in. And then a couple of days before Matt's due to move the new tenants in, the current tenant goes, I can't leave. Yeah. I can't leave for a particular reason. It might be a genuine reason. Mm -hmm. I fully accept that. Uh, but because of the circumstances, they say, look, we can't leave. And most people aren't going to make themselves homeless. They're not just going to move out because they have to. Mm -hmm. So they say, look, actually, Matt, I can't move out for a particular reason. I'm sorry, your new tenants can't move in. And then that's when the Distress of Rents Act kicks in. And it says, actually, if you've given notice to your landlord to leave and you don't leave, then you are you have the legal right to charge them double the rent until such a time that they do leave. Um, it, it was actually talking about land. Mm. But again, going back to my Allotment Act, it's, it's you know, we are renting out land. So I think it might have been to do back in 1737 to do with maybe farms. Yeah. And, and what, what I'm, okay, I'm not too sure what was happening in 1737, but I assume that might have been the reason why it was there. Yeah. Um, so it gives the landlord the opportunity from a. So if a landlord, so so if a tenant's given you notice of say a month, and then closing to towards the end of that, they they for maybe a legitimate reason can't move out now, and we've got a new tenant to move in. Yep. that landlord could theoretically charge the tenant who hasn't moved out double the rent. Yeah, you can charge it legally. You're absolutely legally allowed. So, um, And what <coughs> if that tenant then just refuses to pay that rent? You, um, you, what could, then? you could obviously chase that money through either the small claims. Yeah. Or in one case, I had a client who went for the guarantor. And right. He got £4,500 through court. He researched the le legislation. He actually represented with the landlord. So he went, didn't use a solicitor. Uh, which you don't need to in a lot of court cases. So yeah. long as you understand how the process works and you can say, this is the piece of legislation that applies to me and this is why it applies to me and this is what I want, 
yeah. then that's the argument. And how long does that, because <clears throat> the, the worry that a lot of landlords have are can be that tenants just don't move out at the end of the tenancy, or that something like this happens, yeah. what's the process, how long does it take to go through that court process? Sadly, it's a, it can take quite a long time. That's the problem, isn't it? Absolutely. So you've got somebody that's living in your property, refusing to, to abide by the laws of that, you know, the, and the regulations of that tenancy agreement, uh, and you take them to court, but they could string that out. Yeah, and, that, that and that's why it's so important. We talked about using a letting agent earlier, Ben, in, in relation to uh, not just foxes, but there are plenty of good agents out there. Mm. I obviously, I'm sat with foxes, so I, I, <laughs> we're obviously the best. Though, obviously, but yeah, yeah. No, no, I would absolutely <laughs> recommend you. Thank you. Uh, the legal support is great, um, but in terms of um, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. The terms of at the very start, the the situation you've got with lettings is that you can never go back and undo what the, the undo what you didn't or undo what you did or do what you should have done, mm. and that's the issue. Most landlords don't understand all the things that they probably should have done to make sure that they've got things correct, and the only time that you're really going to find that out is when you've gone to court. Yeah, and that's when it all comes out in the wash, yeah, as it were. Defenceless uh, shelter, CAB, or the local council, or someone like me. Yeah, where I get lots of requests from people that know tenants and say, "Oh, Dale, can you help out a particular friend of mine who's having mm. an issue with their landlord?" Uh, and that's where it goes a little bit wrong, and that's where it's unpicked. So making sure that you get things correct. Are you doing your referencing correct? Are you actually checking beyond potentially what a referencing company may do? So are you checking on their social media? We talked about social media earlier. Mm. A lot of people tend to be a lot more truthful, if that's the right way of saying it, in their social media. Mm-hmm. So I know I know landlords who go well. Funny enough, they said they've got no pets. I looked on their Instagram page and there's pictures of dogs, yeah. cats, and all sorts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. There's no hiding places. Absolutely. There, so the, if you're not clever about if it, if you're not clever about it, yeah. there's not. Yeah. And again, it's just all those things that you need to make be making sure that you do correct at the very very start. Mm. And that's where having an agent to guide you through that process is really important. I fully accept there's always there's going to be landlords on here or listening to say actually, Dow, I know absolutely everything yep. about lettings. Well, I don't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, unless a landlord is, and this is my 24-7 job, as, as Matt will tell you, this is what I eat and breathe, yeah. is compliance and the laws, etc. So there's always going to be a risk, and what you've got to try and do is mitigate your risk. So for me, paying a letting agent uh, a percentage to, to manage that risk for me is a good investment as a landlord. We touched on evictions and, uh, and notices to give to uh, tenants, and... Am I right in saying there are some changes proposed with how those Section 21s, for example, Section 8s, Section 13s? Yeah, the, the Renters Reform Bill. I joke, I mean, I joke with people because there's, there's always changes suggested, but we've had four prime ministers since the last change was made, I think. So I suppose the government's had a bit of a turbulent time settling down. What, what, how do you see that change? Those cha- are those changes likely to happen? Yeah, those changes are absolutely likely to happen. It's just the timing. Yeah. So let's just assume, yeah, let's just assume that the political turmoil is going to continue, which it always, I think that since COVID, it just seems to be in a roller coaster of political yeah. uh, news. So the, the, the situation you've always got with Parliament is that when they propose, when uh, changes are proposed, it does take quite a long time to, to happen. Yeah. Uh, for, a, for a bill to start, in Parliament and to get through to Royal Centres when it becomes law can on on average takes between 12 to 18 months mm. on average and that's without it being debated questioned etc um, the renters reform bill which is what you're referring to yeah. uh, Ben is, is the big changes but and all of the parties have said they will back it and support it but we're talking about changing 25 years of legislation it's not a simple task. Yeah. Um, so if I just use a very simple example, so some landlords may be aware of the How to Rent Guide. Yeah. So the How to Rent Guide is a document that you need to give to a tenant um, on the day that they commence occupation of a property. It's a legal document in the sense that you need to provide it. What's on that How to Rent Guide? It's just explaining to the tenant about all the legal obligations that they are obligated to follow, but also equally important for them is all the legal obligations that a landlord needs to follow. Right. So it's about uh, 18 to 20 pages long. It came out in it came out on the 1st of October 2015, and there have been nine revisions of it since. Uh, so they just the government revise it when, in theory, the law changes. Um, so, in theory, there should be about two hundred copies or two hundred <laughs> versions, but there are only nine because the government tend to get lost in all the changes themselves. 
So there was meant to be a change a couple of weeks ago, which they have delayed and delayed and delayed. Now I've been in, I've, I've had, I've been privy to the emails that have been going backwards and forwards between the trade bodies and uh, the housing department. And the reason why they delayed the latest copy is because they made a number of mistakes <laughs> in the how to rent guide. And the how to rent guide is only 20 pages long or something like something along those lines. And this is the department which make up the rules in the first place. Right. And they've made mistakes on their own form. So I don't have great confidence in them bringing forward quickly uh, the renters reform bill. Even though it will come through, we are talking about changing 25 years worth of legislation. Yeah. They've got to unpick and make sure the laws that they're bringing through cover all the different eventualities. And that's a huge piece of work. So even though it is definitely coming through at some stage, it, I'll be very, very surprised if it comes through before 2025. Mm. Uh, maybe they would struggle 2028. But in terms of the proposed changes, uh, obviously the biggest change is that they're looking to abolish Section 21 notices. Yeah. So what is currently a Section 21 notice? A uh, Section 21 notice is uh, the is the um, no-blame route. So a landlord, if you people can remember back to the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned about uh, the explosion of the buy-to-let market in the early 2000s. And that came through because of the bringing in of the Section 21 notice. So landlords and mortgage lenders had confidence that if I wanted possession of my property back, I didn't have to give a particular reason. I could just say, I want it back. And the law allowed you to do that under Section 21. So if I serve a Section 21 notice today, I'm not blaming the tenant for any particular issue. I'm just saying, I want to bring the property back into my own ownership again. Um, so that was a, a notice, obviously, which lots of landlords and the mortgage industry love because they didn't have to worry about a tenant defaulting. Mm. So sadly, that's going to be abolished at some point. And land so you don't see that as a good thing? From a landlord's perspective, it reduces or limits the ability of getting your property back. Now, if, for example, you want to sell it, the government are saying that's going to be an allowed option. But we just don't know how that's going to work. In this reality. is what's still up in the air, isn't Correct, it? Absolutely. And if you wanted, am I right in saying if you wanted to make significant changes to the property, you might be able to... Was that something that was... And, and I thought I heard something, you know, it had to equate to X amount of pounds, or is that completely wrong? Go on, <laughs> I'm tell not, us I'm not, No, I'm not aware of that. I mean, in terms of... I think you, there is a ground under a Section 8 notice. I think it's sec, uh, ground 9, which is alternative accommodation. Right. So if you were doing significant works to a property, you could ask the tenant to leave, but you could only do that on the basis that you had somewhere else to put them. Okay. So... Um, yeah, if you were renovating flats in a block and you wanted to renovate the flat that a tenant was living in, but they wouldn't move. Because I suppose you'd, you'd renovate a flat potentially to make it more compliant, mm. wouldn't you, for EPC rating, Absolutely, for yeah, there are lots of reasons. So there are so many different elements to the changes, it's going to take quite a long and time. And the outcomes that could happen. Absolutely, yeah, uh, yeah. unintended consequences, if anyone remembers those. So, for example, they brought the tenant fee ban in. Um, that came in on, that came in in 2019, uh, which basically said agents couldn't charge tenants these particular fees. But they had unintended consequences, mm. as in all the rents went up. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. it's one of those situations. Our fees went up, and yeah. correct, and et cetera, massively, et cetera, absolutely. Yeah. So, whatever the government brings in, it's great in terms of a soundbite. But then you've got to look at okay, does it have an impact in relation to other things? And yeah. obviously, the biggest issue for most landlords are and is a landlord will go actually i'm not going to let this property out anymore i'm going to serve them with section 21 now get rid of the tenant i'm going to sell it yeah so you potentially have the unintended consequence of you shrink the lettings market yeah. and I then you just increase all the prices for everyone else as in the rents so that's interesting you say that because that is something that we are seeing you know for example the epc changes changing to potentially coming up to a, a c rating correct yeah so the logistics of that happening and the money that you'd need to invest in your properties to make them compliant is significant. I mean, we were talking on a previous podcast, you know, it's not unusual to see EPC ratings of D's and E's and F's, but you see, you know, some of the blocks up on the East Cliff and the West Cliff, they've got some of the old electric heaters in there and stuff like that. I mean, certainly if you own multiple properties, and you've got to get that up to a C rating. That I see is one of our biggest issues. And what is so out of balance at the moment is that, so some landlords are looking at that and thinking, well, 
I don't want to be a landlord now because it's going to cost me too much money to make that compliance. So therefore, I want to sell my property. Yeah. Therefore, the amount of properties we have to rent is shrinking, which is pushing the prices of those rents up because there's yeah. loads of people needing to rent because they can't afford to get a mortgage. Yeah. So there seems to be a complete imbalance there at the moment, which could cause some sort of major crisis. Ben, you, you know the housing market better than me. I mm. mean, you, you're probably the one that studies it a lot more than myself. Uh, I'm obviously the, the, I said, I'm the guy that people phone when something's gone wrong, yeah. so to speak. But yeah, no, I, I think the EPC ratings, I think 50% of properties are rated D or below. Yeah. Um, well, the average in the UK, certainly when the EPCs came out, when the home information packs came in, which was, you know, yeah. we laugh about that, don't we? Um, Certainly then, the average rating of a UK property was a low D. I think it's not a million miles off that. Probably not, is it? But, I mean, Matt will probably tell us. I mean, when I first... I mean, EPCs came into being on the 1st of October 2008. So when I was a letting agent at that point, no one ever used to ask you about the EPC. No one ever. Absolutely not. Never, never. Probably even for sales. Not at all. Not at all. I don't care about EPCs. They certainly wouldn't buy a property because it had a bad rating. Correct. But now it's... Probably one of the most common questions asked by an applicant. What yeah. EPC yeah. On both it? both Even sides, you said or, this last week, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, from last year, I'd say towards the end of last year to now, it's everyone it's, asked. Yeah, because yeah. they all want to know about the cost. Obviously, the cost of uh, energy, etc. It's a really important question. But as I was saying earlier, um, there's lots of talk in there. So, just wanted to confirm that there are lots of stories in the press about it being C or above in 2025. Yeah. That is only a proposal. Right. Okay, we've got a general election, we've got lots of other things that are going to happen before 2025. So there's no rush in that sense, but I would absolutely encourage a landlord to get a higher EPC rating. I, th- I think that the, the theory behind, or the you know the method behind that madness is probably good, because Correct. we all need to be saving money, and we yeah. need to be looking after the planet and stuff, but the, um, the actual, yeah, the but logistics... If, yeah, but if you've got a D rating... Uh, at the moment, I don't imagine there's going to be much change to that before 2030. No, personally. Uh, you said this, didn't you, Matt? That's exactly what I said. Wow. Wisdom from Matthew. Yeah. I like this guy. I absolutely like this guy. Yes. This guy talks a lot of sense. But yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, that's the only bit of sense I've heard this month. <laughs> yes, right. or, or year. Sorry, Karen. <laughs> we're, only, we're only March. Is it March? <laughs> yeah, we're only yeah, March. We've yeah, yeah. only had three months. Yeah, yeah. Well done, mate. Um, so it's one of those situations whereby EPC ratings for me, I wouldn't overly worry if you had a D rating. I would be going, well, I can't let my property out. Yeah. Because A, they'd have to bring the legislation in, which will take a number of years, and then you'll get a grace period. Mm. But as I said, uh, I don't know what BCP Council are doing in relation to grants, etc. But there's there are grants potentially available. Well, we had Matt from Knight Frank talking oh, okay. in, in yeah. episode two yeah. about green funding. Yes. And green funding isn't just about getting a green mortgage. No. It's about retrofit of yeah. an existing home to make it more energy efficient. So there are... But I don't think it's come on enough yet. But then I suppose it will do as we get closer to you know the events of this happening or the laws changing. Yeah. But, but like you say, I think, um, I mean, by 2030, I think that's plenty of time to have made well, sufficient the, the problem, changes. Yeah, the only problem, yeah, I think a landlord would be well advised and I would also absolutely advise any landlords listening to this to look at obviously costs are going to be a little bit cheaper now if you do it now rather than in a couple of years time although yeah. i fully appreciate costs have costs have gone up recently uh but yeah absolutely and it encourages good tenants yeah uh, good tenants will look at things like that they're more likely to stay longer if it's more energy efficient so from that perspective i would always encourage landlords to do that and look at all the uh, options available to them mm. in terms of grant funding because there are still there is still some money about somewhere just yeah don't find it <laughs> Like all things in life. Yeah. I think all of these changes, the EPC changes, the EICR changes that came in, um, potentially changes because of Grenfell and all of that sort of stuff. Overall, it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, especially as landlords, historically, some landlords, we call them lazy landlords that just don't want to invest in their property and feel they can get away with it. And that's not a good thing. So it's it, good to encourage changes that are, that are good for safety, good for the environment, good for energy. But it's easier said than done, isn't it? It is easier With said than that. done. Um, but we have, we are now in a, um, we are now in a compensation culture. Yeah. Mm. Um, I always say at my courses, wherever there's a blame, there's a claim. Yeah. And mm. if you just Googled housing disrepair, whatever it's going to be, deposit non-compliance, mm. all those things which I always teach in my courses, uh, they are there are significant no win no fees solicitors out there. Mm. So landlords who don't do things correctly. Um, maybe just by the grace of 
God, good luck, mm. whatever you want to call it, they've got away with it. But tenants have become a lot cleverer now. Mm. I think a lot of us, so many of us are tenants though, especially as it's harder to be owning a property than ever. Therefore, you know, these are homes for people. They need to be safe. Yeah, and that's why the government have looked at it like that. Mm. They've said these are people's homes. They, they aren't, a lot of people will rent for the rest of their lives. Mm. Yeah. So this is why they're bringing in the renters reform bill. Uh, is to make it a lot harder for landlords to just easily give notice, yeah. easily change the rent levels, uh, give tenants much more power over what they want to do. So, for example, we talked about no pets earlier. So mm. that's going to be removed. So tenants will be allowed to have pets. There may be a compromise that they have to take out more insurance for it in case the pet causes damage. But a landlord saying, I don't want you to have a pet anymore will be um, illegal under the new mm. legislation able to put pictures on the wall, paint your own rooms, treat it as your own home. That's where, I think they call it tenant empowerment. Mm. So that's where the government are going. And to a certain degree, I totally understand that. You know, if a tenant's paying you a huge sum of money to live in your property and wants to live there for three or four years, then I can't see personally why you should be restricting them and how they live. To, you know, as long mm. as it's, um, it's fair for both parties, then I see no reason. It's interesting what you said a minute ago, though, about what changes the knock-on effects that certain changes have, though, you know, and uh, and ultimately somebody will end up paying for it, but it's trying to get that compromise that it's it's sort of fairly from both sides, from the landlord and from the tenant, because like the tenant fee ban, like you mentioned, that came in. Uh, shelter, I think, were really trying to push it to make renting fairer for tenants, mm. but the tenant fee ban made us put all our fees up, but <laughs> meant put the rents up. So yeah, yeah, in yeah. fact, it had the opposite effect, yeah, or yeah. certainly had a neutral effect, and yeah, didn't yeah, really yeah, benefit yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, the tenant fee act only came in because of London agents. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's one of those situations whereby a small number of agents, and I'll, I won't mention too many names, such as Foxton's, Leaders, yeah. Which we should reiterate are very different to foxes. Yeah. Fo oh, yes. 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 Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. Foxtons. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and their famous minis. Yeah. yeah. Um, leaders, uh, who I know have branches in, in Bournemouth. So yeah. um, I have no issues about mentioning them uh, yeah. at all, in the sense of they were charging huge yeah. amounts of fees. So those types of companies were the ones that created the tenant fee ban. Mm. Um, so the smaller agents, a lot of my clients who are the smaller agents, weren't charging excessive fees. Yeah. And it's just where we are. Mm. It's, um, it's a crazy, sadly, it's a crazy situation. Yeah. Um, EICRs came in. That's caused a lot of changes for people. Yeah, it came, in, it came yeah. in in 2020. So and there aren't many EICRs that come back and say, oh, yeah, your house is fine or your flat's fine. Uh, yeah. But it's normally like you've got to spend a bit of money here and there. Well, I've never seen a poor electrician. True. So, yeah. I, think your, I think your electrician is just passing, yeah, parking his Jag. That's his Range Rover yeah, Sport so yeah, pulled up outside absolutely. there. Yeah. Um, so just to give it a context, the EICRs, Electrical Installation Condition Reports, they need to be done at a minimum every five years. Mm. Um, some, in, some electricians will put a shorter period than that. So if they have concerns about the structure of the property, maybe it's an older property, maybe suffering from damp. Uh, then they may put a shorter period of time that you have to get the EICR done. Uh, but as a general rule, it, it should be every five years. It forms part of your overall compliance and you're, you're meant to give a copy to the tenant when they first move into a property. Um, the government, in their wisdom, have not attached it to Section 21. So if you go for Section 21 and go to court, there's no obligation to provide to the courts a copy of your EICR. Right. Unlike okay. a gas safety record, yeah. you've got to provide all your copies of the gas safety records when you're serving Section 21, and also the EPC. So, But not the EICR. No, not the EICR. Yeah, so. um, it's yeah. a strange... It, I think the government, because when they first brought it in before COVID, they were looking to get rid of Section 21s. Right. So they, they thought there's no point bringing a new law. They link the two together at the, the time. Two together. Um, but as I said earlier, I, I can't see the abolishment of Section 21s happening for a long time. So when I was speaking to um, the local council, they said, actually, we don't have the manpower to enforce against EICR legislation. Um, so the only time that they'll probably get involved is if a tenant complains about it and says, I don't, my electrical, my electrics are unsafe. Or well, they've had a faulty and there's been a fire and the house is burned down. Correct. And then they might ask for a copy of the EICR. So it's one of those situations. It was in the house that burned <laughs> yeah. down. With it. Well, no, yeah. Well, I think there's, there's, there's yeah, there's, I'm sure there's, there's drop boxes. Yeah. And you, you're a lot more technical than me. I'm sure yeah. there, there are lots of places you can save your EICR. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just one of those situations, uh, Ben, it's, it's just, yeah, it, it's, 
a situation where I always say it, I, I, I would say I would, I would make more money enforcing the laws mm. than I would teaching them. Mm. So if any council are listening, I'm more, yes. I'm more than welcome. I'm, I'm absolutely open to... DWK Consultancy. Yeah. Correct. Plugging away there. Absolutely. I, rightfully I, so. Yeah. I would probably be a multi-millionaire by the end of the week. Wow. I mean, if they're going to bring in these laws, they might as well, you know, enforce them at the same well, time. Well, it, 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 it's like all things in life. If you don't enforce the laws, then people tend to we'll do it. Yeah. Um, so whether that's littering, yeah. I have a beer in my bottle about littering. Oh, yeah, don't start. Yeah. Don't look behind we our office. We yesterday. Yeah. About littering. the A338. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. What the amount of litters yeah. down there? Yeah, I've there. seen, I've seen. Well, I've been because I drive the, I drive to London quite frequently. But mm. yeah, I've seen armchairs, yeah, fridge, yeah. mate. There's I, table and chairs there once. Right. I was thinking, well, who's? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just on the M5. It was on the spur road going out of Bournemouth, and there was, yeah, yeah, uh, there was a right. set, of, there was a table, the set of tables and chairs. Yeah. I've seen loads of black bin, mm. bin full of rubbish. Um, Anyway. But yeah, moving on. <laughs> we, <laughs> we digress. Yes, but there are so much, so much in terms of compliance. If we mm. looked at, I think we talked about earlier about compliance. So when when a tenant first moves into a property, we talked about the energy performance certificate. Yeah. The, so these are things. So if you're a landlord, yes, and you're not doing it through an agent, which you should, because then you can let us do all of this Correct. stuff. You're moving a tenant in. What do you have to give that? Tenant? Okay. What do you need to give that tenant? So we talk about the energy performance certificate. Yeah. We'll talk about the gas safety record. So the gas safety record, as some people may refer to it as the gas safety certificate. Uh, you're talking about the how to rent guide, the mm. most relevant how to rent guide. Uh, we don't have long enough to talk about deposit protection. Now, if you take a deposit, if you take a monetary deposit from a tenant, mm. there are a number of obligations that you need to do. Now, most landlords think just sticking it into a it, into a particular government scheme is sufficient. Like the DPS or the TDS? Yeah, or DPS, the Deposit Protection Service, you have the Dispute Service and you have My Deposits. They're right. the three schemes and each of those schemes has a insured version which is where you keep the money as a landlord but you pay a fee to keep it and they have a custodial version which is where you send the money into the schemes they look after it so you're not holding it anymore as a landlord now that in in, in a sense sounds quite easy but in addition to that you've got to give them what we refer to as prescribed information mm. so the prescribed information is information which gives the tenant an understanding of where it's being held uh, what happens in the event you disappear as the landlord? What happens in the event of a dispute, etc., etc., etc.? So, there are a lot of requirements to give to the tenant, mm -hmm. and then you've got to give them the scheme leaflet, and then you've got to give that also to any person that's funded the deposit on behalf of the tenant. Okay, which could be the parent, it could be the local council, it could be a friend, yeah. and all of those obligations come with a penalty of up to three times the value of the deposit Wow! if you don't do it correctly. Now, it may sound rather trivial and you don't do X, but if you don't do X, X could cost you A, a lot of money, but also stop your possession because yeah. deposit protection is linked to possession under section 21. So that's interesting, yeah. There are so many things, and again, without boring your listeners. So if you haven't given the right prescribed information or haven't protected the deposit correctly. haven't protected the deposit correctly then that could yeah that, that that's the first thing if, if someone's saying to me Darren, i'm getting a possession notice under section 21 that's the first thing i look at yeah why because most landlords get it wrong most self-managing landlords get that wrong because mm. it's not as easy as it sounds protect the deposit with the dps well, that sounds easy yeah, yeah just yeah. see that i'll send them a check Do it's it not just that it? yeah it's not just that there are significant obligations are beyond that which most landlords don't understand and i fully accept why because yeah. it's not their full-time job no. they think oh that's what the that's what it says on there that's what i do yeah. but there are so many different things that you need to do um so that's probably been the most common question from landlords that i've seen going to court mm. in the last 15 years 15 yeah. 16 years that's probably one of the biggest reasons uh, a possession notice is dismissed because the landlord has not done x y and z so if any landlords are out there looking at deposit protection or looking to take on moving a new tenant, then that's the thing that I would absolutely make sure I get advice on. Am mm -hmm. I doing my deposit protection correctly? So we talked about gas safety records, EICRs, deposit protection, how to rent guide. Uh, in addition to that, you would, um, if you have a license, so again, license requirement, I don't think Bournemouth has that many licenses. Such as what HMOs and HMO, yeah. So there are three, student properties. Yeah, so there are three different licensing requirements. So there's what we refer to as mandatory licensing. So every council in England has to follow those rules. That's five or more occupiers who are not all related. So yeah. five students mm -hmm. sharing a five-bedroom house in Charminster that would fall under mandatory licensing. Then we have additional licensing. 
which is any type of HMO. So if I had three friends sharing a three bedroom flat in the Westcliff, mm. that potentially could fall under additional licensing, but the local council don't have additional licensing here, mm. but lots of other councils do. So again, you've got to understand what does my local council require and am I following the rule? Now, it's not for the local council to tell you, it's for you to find out. So all the laws that we're talking about today, as we refer to at the very start, is about a landlord knowing the law and making sure that they follow it, not the other way around. Because lots of landlords will say to me, I didn't know that. Yeah. Could be too late by that point. Yeah, it's yeah. not an excuse. You can't go, well, I didn't know that. I didn't know how to give this. I didn't know how to give that. Well, you should have done. Mm-hmm. And that's where I come in, because I, obviously I do lots of training as well. So I train for um, Nottingham City Council. I train for London Council, Merton. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't train for Bournemouth. You they should never, do. You should. <laughs> they've never asked me. Oh, uh, they, well, that's... Yeah, um, but from, you're listening. Yeah, yeah, from that perspective, so there are lots of things that landlords need. So in terms of licensing, so we have mandatory, additional, and then the one that may come into Bournemouth is what we refer to as selective. So the West uh, West Hill here. So we're sat here at West Hill. Mm-hmm. So lots of lettings around here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the gov- uh, the local council know this is an area potentially where there are what I'm going to refer to as substandard lettings. Yeah. yeah. So they will look at selective licensing probably around here. Again, with Boscombe, you know, yeah. around the Crescent, around that area. Yeah. So selective licensing is where a local council decide a particular area needs to have licensing because of antisocial behaviour, whatever oh, it's going to yeah. be. So Bournemouth don't have that at the moment, but they are proposing to look at bringing those in. So selective licensing for multiple people living in a property it could be for any type of property it could be for a studio or one bed. it could be for a studio or one bed yeah Mm. absolutely so they generally so for example that's to improve the standard of these properties is that what's that supposed to be i think most landlords look at it probably as in a money-making scheme for the local council but in theory it's meant to improve the quality of the properties that are being rented out and also to have a register Mm. of those that are being rented out because Mm. in the end there is no database of landlords Mm. yeah so again, I fully appreciate we have so much to cover on this particular podcast, but um, the government eventually want all landlords to be licensed. So yeah. every single landlord who rents out a property will have to be on a database. They will have to be trained or understand what the laws require of them. It's a big task, but at the same time, you know, like we, a, a tenant is referenced, aren't they? Correct. As to whether they're any good or not. 100%. And we all know that there are some landlords that really aren't that good. And it would be nice for some tenants to be able to refer to something to say he was good or she was good or yeah, they yeah, or he or yeah, she wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. I mean, um, I do some of the training for Nottingham City Council. So Nottingham City Council have selective licensing. Right. So every single landlord who has a property in Nottingham has to pay, sadly, about eight or nine eight to nine hundred pounds for a five year license right just to let any property to let any property out which is yeah yeah so uh, i think it made nottingham city council 64 million pounds wow yeah but obviously it pays for a lot of staff Mm. apparently um so Uh, they and consultancy obviously yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah, i shouldn't say that um but i enjoy what i do um ben so yeah i i I have no problem about i actually don't think it's a bad idea in terms of training landlords because when landlords no. come on my courses, they are a little bit reluctant. So the council said, you've got to go. As part of the selective licensing, you've got to go on the course uh, that Daryl or whoever else runs. And the reason why I like it is in the sense that they come on a bit reluctant to be on there. And by the end of the session, they come up to me and say, Daryl, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Because actually, I turn it as a positive. I turn up and say, look, I don't work for Nottingham City Council, which I don't. Um, I'm working for a landlord association up there, which runs the, which runs the courses. And I train the courses as trying to protect them. What am I doing here today? I'm trying to make sure that you understand all the laws. I protect you as the landlord from being sued. Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, they understand it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them use agents. And they'll come to me down, Daryl, yeah. I use an agent. Don't need to worry about it. I say, you need to worry about it. Why Mm -hmm. do you need to worry about it? Because whatever your agent does or doesn't do is if you are doing it yourself as the landlord. Mm -hmm. And they don't realise that. Because yeah. they're using an agent, they think they are completely... But they're not always, are they? Not, not at all. Because if that agency disappears off the face of the planet mm. tomorrow, mm. who's how... Who's how who, Responsible, uh, yeah. It's the landlord. So landlords don't understand that. And they say, oh, Dad, I didn't realise that. I'm going to ask my agent now if they're doing it. Mm. That's why it's really important that if you are using an agency, that you are confident in what that agency does. Because if they're not doing it correctly, 
then you're the person that ultimately is going to be holding the can. You're the person that the tenant's going to be suing or the local council are going to be issuing fines against you. Mm. And Nottingham City Council are notorious for doing it. Yeah. For those who are born from Paul at the moment, you're okay. Yeah. They're a little bit more lax. Sorry, Mr. I mean, that's hope. Well, perhaps a, a change that will, that you say it's proposed then to, to Yeah, come I mean, that's where they're going, 100%. Mm. So I, I, would, I would certainly say, so for example, um, for my previous employer, uh, even though I'm self-employed now, I used to do the training for Rent Smart Wells. So if there's any landlord who's got a property in Wells, they mm. know that. So in Wells, every landlord that's managing a property has to go through training mm. and has to be licensed, etc. So that is where we are definitely going. One, one more bit before we, we bring it to a close. We, um, I mean, it kind of touches on it a little bit, but the regulation of property agents is something that's yeah, potentially... So, <clears throat> but again, you know, the, when that first started to look like it was going to be a, a definitely a thing, mm. again, we've had loads of different prime ministers and... Yeah, I mean... A lot of the proposals for the private rented market, all all of the three main parties, or two of the main parties, I'm not too sure which class the Lib Dems are the main party, but <laughs> we, we, won't get, we won't get political on yeah, that. No. I know Wimborne's very Liberal Democrat, so yeah. uh, moving on. Um, <laughs> all the main parties uh, uh, have agreed. So there's no, it's just a matter of time, uh, priority. So since a lot of this has been announced, we've had COVID, Ukraine war, energy, energy crisis. crisis. Yeah. What else we got going on? Well, we've had different monarchs. Well, yeah, bless her, rest in peace. Um, uh, yeah, ch- um, chancellors of the exchequer, yeah, prime ministers. I think Boris is. Um, he nearly made a comeback as well. Interviews on Wednesday in yeah. front of the subcommittee, what they call themselves. Yeah. So as much as they have all these well intentions, they sit there and think, is changing the lesson in the industry really important at the yeah, moment? I think that's the point right no, now. No, it's isn't not. It, it yeah. just gets getting pushed back. So. But just going regulation of property agents, yeah, we're going down that route. So, which I, I think overall, it's not a bad show, oh, is it? Compi- because from a compliance oh, perspective, great, fantastic, loads of more training. But also, you know, I think I said joked about this yesterday. You could kind of almost leave prison and then go and set up an estate agent oh, yeah, the yeah. following day, Ma- massively. And that's so why it's so important that if you are choosing an agency, that you go into the agency and you make sure that you quiz the staff on, yeah. on that. Don't quiz. Man, yeah, obviously, because he. <laughs> yeah. it'll, be, it'll just have Daryl on speed dial. Yeah. You there, Daryl? Well, no, because he, he said to me earlier, and, he, and he's really good at it. But he loves all the personal interaction, Correct. The moving yeah. the people in and stuff, all the the chin wagging. Yeah, yeah. That's it. He's good at. Mm. Um, so as I said, yeah. obviously, because it's for the sales side as well. Yeah, it's oh. for sales side. Sandy yeah, Penn. yeah uh, that's fine. I mean, uh, the thing is, it's like you know, the industry I think's uh, viewed better now than it was in the past mm. um but it would help the industry be viewed better if we're all some sort of <laughs> yeah no, I, 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 I totally agree uh, and for me um the biggest problem at the moment is the retention of staff yeah um yeah. so i think if you have qualified staff a, like, you would give them a lot more confidence in what they're doing yeah and i know the directors probably won't want to listen to this but hopefully people get paid more absolutely yeah, um, and we could probably, as a result, charge more to massively. To, I mean, if you were to go and see your accountant, I always remember in the olden days. So there was a, an, a they're still there actually. Lacy's, yeah, used oh, yeah. to used to do our possession claims when I was at WPJ Millers. So I was the person that used to liaise between the agency and and uh, Lacy's, and um, they used to, I used to phone them. So can you just or I would phone and say, can we just get this particular bit of paper out of the file? And then when their bill come, it was they used to bill it every six minutes. I think they still do that yeah, now, don't they? Have a little clock sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the table, so it? it's like answer the phone call and get something from the file with like fifty quid. Yeah, <laughs> was, I know. It was, it was, which I can understand because they are professionalised, qualified yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. So everything comes with time, mm. and I, I, I don't think. And again, I appreciate we're trying to encourage and inform landlords here, but you know when you're qualified, a professional qualified person that comes with expense of course and managing someone's most expensive asset and a property is not cheap they're mm. expensive as you probably know yeah so you know if i was would you would you let any person no absolutely manage no. your four hundred thousand pound ferrari outside ben absolutely not no no, no. I mean, and that's the point isn't it you know anybody could do this job really at the moment get away um, with it and yeah. get away with it and that's where you see the horror stories so when it will come in we don't know but no i think it's going to be again it's, it's a big change in mm. the sense that it's a, there's a lot of um uh administration and processes to set up so again i would be very surprised if it comes in before 2028 but a lot of my clients uh are training their staff to, to do, do to do the arla level three 
which is the ARLA is our governing body, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of agents, uh, lots of agencies out there are trying to do it with their staff, even though it's not an obligation at the moment. But again, as I said, for me, it gives them confidence in what they're talking about, uh, what they're showing people around. They're more aware of what they might need to take into consideration uh, when they're dealing with properties and tenants. So yeah, really, really important. So that's where we are going. So again, um, for me, if you are going to choose an agent, make sure that you go and visit them, make mm-hmm. sure that you speak to them about legislation, ask them what they're going to be doing in terms of the tenancy, ask them about referencing, because referencing is really important as well for me. Yeah. Because uh, as soon as you let a tenant in with a set of keys, as you know, it's very, very difficult to get them out. Yeah. yeah. So even if you've got everything, even if you have all your ducks in a row, it can take quite a long time. Um, so for me, referencing is really important. Check their social media. Uh, one thing that we, we used to do in the olden days was that we used to go and visit their properties. What, the, where yeah. the tenant was living? Because, yeah. yeah. So you could almost go and say, well, we're just going to come around and visit you to get our reference. Uh, Correct. To yeah. see the property. And if they say no, you go, okay, fine. Yeah. We don't want you as a tenant. Yeah. Because any- just you say social media, that's the modern way of doing it. Isn't Massively. It? Yeah. I mean, well, I know it sounds like, you know, big brother and, you know, voyeuristic or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, but looking at somebody's social media, you, oh, we've you done do. that before. I mean, you do yeah. it when you're actually interviewing for staff oh, as do you? well. Yeah, yeah, we are. I mean, it's, it's, you have to. That's why I'm self-employed. Cause I, I, yeah. don't, I, I, yeah. don't do, I don't do employing staff. <laughs> but if I did, absolutely, I'd be the, like, the biggest stalker ever. Yeah. I'd be, be footprint, footprint, footprint. I know yeah. it sounds awful, but I have not employed staff before because of what I saw on social media. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. You know, when this becomes massive, this podcast. What do you mean be- when? Oh, it is. now it's massive. Yeah. We better go back and check our social medias and check. <laughs> so true. <laughs> I think we'll be all right, mate. Yeah, we'll be all right. So yeah, it's, it's just so it's so, for me so so important to make sure that if you are going to use an agent, then even if you get the advice of the agent, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that Matt or Sam or Stacy wouldn't mind an, a landlord coming in oh, yeah. and just having a ten or fifteen minute chat, and he can put me on speed dial. I'm, yeah. not, that, I'm not that expensive. I might just put you in like an earpiece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do What do I think about this? And if, if a landlord's having a problem with a possession claim, um, then again, I'm sure that Sam, Stacey and Matt wouldn't So, to, to, to kind of, a few things to wrap this up. Sure. What is your top tip for a landlord? That Ooh. Is, is a... In terms of compliance, because compliance sounds really boring. You have YouTube videos, do you, on compliance? I'm just trying to think. I would say watch my YouTube videos, but I'll just yeah, say yeah, yours. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. You're here. It's, D- it's about D- you as D- much no, as about DWK us. has a YouTube video channel, DWK Consultancy. If you want to type that in there, I've got 14, 15 videos on there at the moment. Absolutely. But just watch them. Get an understanding yeah. of the flavour of what you're obligated to do. Yeah. I just don't think many landlords out there, if I'm being completely honest, really understand what they need to be doing. Yeah. Mm. And I fully accept 99% of the time. They have a great tenant. Mm. They're great people as landlords. They do everything that the, land, the tenant asks of them. So if, re, if there's a repair that needs doing, that landlord will do it. Yeah. And at the end of the tenancy, most landlords don't deliberately try and de- deduct too much from the no. deposit. So <coughs> in most cases, it won't go wrong. Yeah. But when it does go wrong, it can, it can go spectacularly wrong. Yeah. And I have seen so many, that obviously that's my job. Mm. I get so many requests for help from landlords. Who go, yeah. This is gone. And I can, see, can you send me their paperwork? And they just they just look at me and they're blank. Yeah. blank. Uh, that's and and I suppose I'd say a top tip for a, a letting agent as well would be to use DWK consultants. Well, I, 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 yeah, well, no, actually, I've got t- I've I've got enough clients. I would probably say without sounding, there's only so much of me. That's the problem with being so much. Well, well that's so the, <coughs> so the top tip for a landlord would be then to use yeah. foxes Great. because we have you on speed who helps dial. us on speed dial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sam is, yeah, Sam does speed dial me quite yeah. a lot. So. I mean, we're obviously, which is a good part, thing. We're part of Arla and, yeah, uh, you absolutely. know, we're all compliant, but it's always nice to be able to call on somebody like yeah, yourself. I so I suppose the, the, the summary to this is if you are a landlord, use foxes. We can then market it beautifully like we do, and then uh, yeah. we are fully compliant as well. Yeah, I mean, even if you still want to go it alone, mm. come and speak to the guys at Foxes. Yeah, because I, I say on the sales and letting side, you know, there's a lot of agents that are a little bit narrow-minded Correct. that think, well, I'm not going to make any money out of you right now. It's yeah. like on a valuation. Uh, if they say to me, I'm not selling, I say, well, that's fine. I'll still come out and have a chat. Because if you come across really nice and helpful and knowledgeable and you've helped with a few compliance things, then they would say, well, actually, you know, they'll refer you to somebody else Massively, and recommend like, you. And yeah, that's really yeah. how yeah. business works. Certainly over the 20 odd years, I've, I've even said to people that when I do a valuation, 
and said, even if you just want to call me yearly, just to find out what's changed in the market, what's updated, how's mm. the value, then I'm happy to do that. And I'm sure you are as well, aren't you? Matt? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, no, Le- Lessings is, yeah, is, is, has become, uh, will become even more complex. So landlords who haven't got their ear to the ground, so yeah. to speak. I think you send out newsletters. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Then get on get on the newsletter yeah. mailing list. Um, and as I said, the government website has lots of uh, updates, which I follow myself. Yeah, obviously, uh, that's what I need to do. Um, some of the real boring stuff. I try and regurgitate it out, and Matt may not see my. I send out a, a, an update email every time there's a change in legislation, yeah. and try and regurgitate the complex laws into what I call basic language yeah because yeah. most people don't want to read what the government sent them so. Sam is the one who probably out. is the yeah. first one to read that yeah and let us know to us, yeah. absolutely so that's really important as well so keeping abreast of changes in legislation mm. is really important because what you're doing today might not be right tomorrow yeah and it's constantly changing mm. um, whereas again maybe sales is slightly slower yeah in that sense yes it is yeah yeah um, yeah definitely um, but yeah, the lettings market moves rapidly. Legislation yeah. moves rapidly. You move people in quickly. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I agree something, and sometimes you don't see any benefit or results after that six months, six months down the yeah. line. So. Yeah. so from that perspective, it's just really important to keep yourselves updated, and you can do that by a number of means. But as I said, if you've got any issues, then I would always suggest that you pop into a good agency such yeah. as Foxes. Thank you very much. Good. I think that's awesome. You've got anything else to add, Daryl? No, I'm, wait, I'm looking forward to my coffee in a minute. Yeah, my, my freshly brewed coffee and oh, some yeah. and, and some donuts. Yeah. Some donuts. Yeah. Absolutely. Good stuff. Thank you for coming in, Daryl. Yeah. Thank Appreciate you very it. much Thank indeed. You. Thank you, sir. Cheers. Cheers, guys.